Culture Podcast, where I discuss how the attitudes, habits, traditions, roles, beliefs, and expectations in our homes influence the hearts, minds, spirits, and bodies of our children and the nation. I'm Jody Chafee, and in this episode, I'll be introducing you to the second season of my podcast. Please be sure to check out the show notes in this episode at homeandfamilyculture.com. Dear friends, it has been a while. I took a pretty long break from my podcast, in part because this is out of my comfort zone. I didn't know if making a podcast was something I could continue because of the time and energy of making any podcast, let alone having content that I feel inadequate to share. I am far from being a perfect parent or having my own family culture running smoothly. I wake up each day in scarcity sometimes believing I will never be enough or do enough to reach my goals and visions. So if I feel that way, how can I get in front of my microphone each week and try and claim that I have the answers? I don't. But this is not the goal of my podcast. A friend of mine told me that she never reads parenting books because they make her feel guilty for how she parents. When I think about sharing my thoughts about family and parenting, That is the last thing I hope you'll feel. I want you to feel like you're getting answers to your questions as I seek answers to my questions. I hope that we'll be able to start from now and try and make a change from today forward. I just hope that if there's one thing I share that helps your family, then it was all worth it. I've chosen to continue this podcast because I cannot shake the thought that it is something I need to do. I have some friends who are starting podcasts, and every time I see their posts, I think, oh no, I didn't post again, or I haven't done that again. But it has been consistently on my mind to think about family culture and the importance that it is for our families to to shape their family culture and to be conscientiously aware of what our family culture looks like. In a book called Uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about how we are called to create something, and if we don't act on that calling, that calling will find someone else who will answer the call. I was feeling like an imposter to presume that I have anything valuable to share, but I recently read another book called The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco, and he says that the thing that we create must make an impact. It may, it has to, that's the whole purpose, to make an impact on the lives of of our audience or those we want to reach. When I bring value to others' lives, that is all I hope to accomplish, and I hope you will find value in what I have to share. As you can tell, I like to read self-improvement books and parenting books. I like to read them. I find value in them, and I think that they're so interesting. I think that they all have good advice that you can either take or leave. And I love learning the insights that I that I find from reading these kinds of books. Sometimes I find that when I read them, I do experience like a cognitive dissonance between this ideal that I'm reading about and, and my reality. <laughs> but sometimes when I feel that way, I know that there's a change that I can make. And so anyways, I read all these books all the time, and and so maybe that's part of the value that I can share, is that if you ever want to have want to know like a book, 
that's out there that might answer some of your questions, I've probably read it or at least know about it. So perhaps that's what I can, that's something I can share. But anyways, I'm reading a book right now that's called The, the, Heaven, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families by Stephen Covey. And right in the introduction, there's a subheading that says, The End in Mind, A Beautiful Family Culture. And so that stood out to me immediately, of course. And he says, Now this book is about the seven habits of highly effective families. So what is effectiveness in the family? I suggest it can be captured in four words, a beautiful family culture. When I say culture, I'm talking about the spirit of the family, the feelings, the vibes, the chemistry, the climate or atmosphere in the home. It's the character of the family, the depth, quality, and maturity of the relationships. It's the way family members relate to one another and how they feel about one another. It's the spirit or feeling that grows out of the collective patterns of behavior that characterize family interaction. And these things, like the tip of an iceberg, come out of the unseen mass of shared beliefs and values underneath. Behaviors come out of the beliefs, the unseen mass of shared beliefs and values underneath. That is what I want to focus on in my study and as I interview and read and meet people who understand family culture. How do you shape your beliefs and values so your patterns of behavior are consistent with those beliefs? I think I got a glimpse into how to do this when I read a book called The Hands-Off Manager by Steve Chandler. I picked up this book because it was available on my OverDrive app, and I thought it could help me as a leader in my church uh, to be more effective. I wondered if it wouldn't be kind of a passive approach to management, but the subtitle was about being a mentor, which is what I hope to be for my kids, so I thought I'd give it a chance. It ended up being a book that has changed my whole mindset. It talks about mindfulness and coming from a place of non-judgment and being conscious and things that I would normally read in like a new age type of book about meditation and mindfulness. But it was profound how the author related it to, how, how he related it so well to family management as he talked about work management. Anyway, what I learned from this book is, is what it looks like to shape our beliefs. And I want to share with you an, uh, several excerpts from chapter 15. He talks about how we shape our beliefs. He says that success comes from three worlds. Allowing success requires that we create an understanding within ourselves of the existence of three worlds, worlds that we live in every moment of every day simultaneously. These worlds are spirit, mind, and body, or the physical world. And you can't actually see most of what happens in those three worlds. We have three worlds that exist in us simultaneously at all times. And the important thing to understand about these worlds is where the power really lies, where the potential for success in life is located. It's not in the physical world as we all assume it is. We spend most of our time focused on the physical world, but the physical world is just the manifestation of what has been created in the inner two worlds. By the time you see it, it's too late to change anything. The real change happens internally, 
not externally. Change only becomes visible in the external world. So our ability to make a difference and change the results we're seeing does not happen by focusing on fixing eternal of external events. <laughs> external events. Our access to destiny occurs earlier in the process than that. It occurs when we focus on spirit, our intuition and inspiration, and mind, our thinking and planning. That's the only domain where we can exercise free will and free choice. Our behavior is nothing more than a reflection of our inner way of being. This has been referred to as the iceberg principle, which I thought was really interesting because that's what Stephen Covey said, that our family culture is like an iceberg. The iceberg principle would say that what you see above the surface in the ocean when you look at an iceberg is only about 10% of the entire iceberg. The other 90% of the ice floats below the surface and is not visible to the eye. What we see coming through in physical form is a very tiny portion of all that's actually happening. The world of concept, which is con contained in the world of spirit, and the world of creation, which is contained in the world of the mind, facilitate and create what is manifest in the physical world. So by the time anything happens in the physical world, it is out of our control. The hands-off manager will say, focus on the process, not the results. The process is the mind and the spirit inside. It's the heart of your organization or your family. If you focus on the process, the results will unfold naturally from that. You can shift your attention to your own thinking. That's where you can have the impact on what shows up in your life and what shows up in the world. And then he gives this really poignant example says one of the best examples of using all three worlds as opposed to just one is contained in a comparison of the lives of Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. Malcolm X tried to erase already existing racism. His whole approach was that racism is bad, it's wrong, and we need to get rid of it. He was trying, through his justifiable anger, to alter the already existing physical world. So he wasn't in three worlds, he was in one. He kept trying to chop off the tip of the iceberg. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. approached the issue differently. He went inside himself to the level of spirit. He was a minister who knew how to meditate and pray for inspiration. Finally, when it arrived, he said to the world, I have a dream. Dr. King's dream had black people and white people going to the same schools and the same restaurants and being treated equally by the law. That was his dream. He didn't talk about racism in his dream because racism was history to him. And in his dream, racism would no longer be relevant. So now we celebrate a holiday in his honor. There isn't a holiday for Malcolm X. Despite his courage and brilliance, Malcolm X has had very little lasting influence. His time on earth did, not, did more to fuel the anger of his followers than it did to create anything new. But because of King, a lot, of different, a lot is different now. He found his leverage at the level of a dream, at the level of an idea, instead of the level of outer historical manifestation. He was accessing spirit, not physical form. King exemplifies someone who goes into the, his inner world of the spirit, 
of the spiritual to adjust something in the outer world, as opposed to the way most of us handle life, complaining about what's already out there. If you look at the people who have truly influenced the world, they were always inner idea people. They include such notables as Gandhi, Thomas Edison, Joan of Arc, Martin Luther King Jr., Christ, Buddha, and the list goes on. They influenced our thinking, our philosophies, and our beliefs. They shifted the world. They changed the course of history, and they used an understanding of the three worlds to do it. To realize your full potential, all you have to do is focus on the ingredients. Look inside the change Look inside to change the inner process and just let the results happen. Let your process produce the results that it will naturally. Soon, you will learn to make a difference. You'll become a person of real influence. You'll become a person who significantly alters what happens in the physical world as a result of your having been here. We're always trying to fix what's wrong instead of finding what's possible. So that was mind-blowing to me to read that. I mean, maybe some of it sounds a little too, I don't know, if you're not familiar with meditation and mindfulness and things, some of that might sound a little far-fetched, but I think that it's true and it's real. That, I mean, think of that example of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and consider the way we discipline our kids. Are we disciplining the behavior and reacting to the behavior? Or do we treat our children as though we want to shape and change their beliefs and help them to work on themselves as people instead of attacking them and trying to micromanage their behaviors? So just an example, um, and this is the way that I think. I like to watch movies with this, um, I don't know, idea that I can find some moral to the story. And so um, I was watching, my husband and I went to see the new Spider-Man movie. And in the movie, Tony Stark uh, takes away the Spider-Man suit from Peter Parker. And Peter says that he's nothing without the suit. And so Tony says, well, then you don't deserve the suit. And at first, that did not make any sense to me. I was like, what's the big deal? Why can't you just have the suit? Why would, why, what does that even mean? And it was something I saw again in the Disney's Moana when Maui says that he's nothing without the hook. Well, when I reflected on this in the context of shaping your beliefs, I, I understand now, like I understand it better by thinking about from this context of the three worlds and how our beliefs truly shape our identity. I understood that Peter Parker didn't know who he was as Spider-Man. He didn't own his identity or know what he represented. The suit was just a physical representation, but he didn't embody what the suit represented because his beliefs weren't reflected on what Superman is. It wasn't until the end of both Spider-Man and Moana when these heroes realized that they were strong even without their props. So sorry if I lost you on that, those analogies, um, but I enjoy finding uh, messages and morals in the stories, and I hope that it kind of helps you understand the illustration of what it means that when we have our identity and we understand who we are as a family or as individuals, that 
that concept, if we ponder about it and reflect on who we are, that that's what shapes our behaviors. The behaviors are just the tip of the iceberg, like it says. And in in that book, the hands-off manager, he he says that, you know, when you try, if you're trying to uh, change the beliefs, it's like trying to make a cake without a recipe. But if you focus on the recipe and doing the recipe right, in the end, you're going to get a cake. And that's, it takes kind of, it takes faith because it's not easy to focus on the ingredients of family when you, you want to start seeing results. And sometimes the results don't happen right away. But that's where family culture comes from, is from shaping those beliefs, establishing the traditions, the habits, you know, creating the family stories, all those things help to shape the, your children's beliefs and your beliefs and, and shaping your identity and resilience. So basically, when we think of shaping our family culture, we need to think more like a spiritual leader and work on the vision and the beliefs we hold and develop them from within rather than trying to micromanage the behaviors. The word is more effective than the sword. Thank you so much for listening. I have some fun interviews planned for the coming weeks and months, and I hope to address what we can do to help shape our family's beliefs by discovering our values and our identity and our family vision and all the things that shape the beliefs of our families. You can support my podcast by clicking the links that are in the show notes and making purchases through the affiliate links. So be sure to go to the show notes at homeandfamilyculture.com and you can go and find me on Facebook at Family Culture Podcast on Facebook. So please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share. You can listen to this on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and your favorite podcasting medium. I'm in the process of updating my site, and I'm preparing a gift for you. Of It's a list, a PDF list of non-toy gift ideas. So stay tuned and look for a chance to sign up to receive that list. Again, thank you so much for your support.